Welcome to the Mom's Circle Podcast, presented by Floyd Medical Center, a place for new moms, veteran moms, and moms-to-be to hear expert advice from experienced healthcare professionals. Here are your hosts, Dan Bevels and Jen Carroll. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Mom Circle Podcast. I'm Dan Bevels, and we're so glad to bring you great information from our experts that can help you as you move through your journey of delivering a child and being a new mom and and having a, a new family and, and this new person in your life and, and managing that. We just want to help you through all of those things, and we do that by each episode bringing on an expert that works with us here at Floyd that will provide excellent information to help you do that. And uh, when I say expert, Jen Carroll always comes to mind because Jen is an expert (laughs) and also one of my favorite folks to talk to. Jen is a childbirth educator at Floyd. And Jen, we're excited to be here for another episode. Well, Dan, thanks very much. I certainly don't consider myself an expert. I consider myself always a learner. But I'm happy to share anything that I've learned with the people that I work with. Um, so it's a great to be with you today. Always, always. And we uh, begin each episode with a question uh, that is uh, something that comes up regularly in our, maybe our childbirth classes or on the Moms uh, Circle at Floyd Facebook page or, or so forth. And, uh, and also through our email address. And by the way, if you have a question you'd like to submit, you can do that, momscircle at floyd.org. And Jen, great question this week. Is it safe to get the COVID vaccine while breastfeeding your baby? Is is that a safe thing to do? You know, Dan, that is a great question. And I can confidently say, yes, it is safe. And so we encourage all of our mothers to go ahead and get the vaccine. You may get some soreness. And when you're breastfeeding, you may have some soreness in your arm. You may feel kind of under the weather as a result. Those are very common side effects. But just tuck in there with your baby and breastfeed on demand and just keep on going. It's going to be fine and it also can benefit your baby. So the answer is a strong yes. It's safe to get that vaccine while breastfeeding. Absolutely. And we certainly encourage you to do that. And we also encourage you, if you have any questions about the vaccine at all, uh, be sure to ask your OBGYN or if you, you're working with a pediatrician, you can talk to your pediatrician, particularly if you have older, older children that might be eligible for the vaccine. Don't ever hesitate to ask those questions uh, because uh, those folks have the information that can help you do that. But, uh, but Jen, that's a, a great information uh, from you. And uh, we're excited that the answer is absolutely yes, because we think that's the best way that we can fight this pandemic. So thank you for that info. So let's uh, let's jump right in. We've got a great topic today, and uh, and one of our Floyd experts to uh, bring us the information. So Jen, as always, I'll just turn it over to you, and I'm looking forward to this conversation. Oh, thanks, Dan. Well, we do have a true expert with us today. Um, I'd like to welcome Diana Johnson, who is part of our team at Floyd. Some of you have met her, but many others have not met Diana, but she's part of our leadership team that actually is the team that brings you amazing care um, in our labor and delivery and mother-baby unit. So, Diana, welcome. Thank you. Diana, tell us just a little bit about yourself and what your role is at Floyd. 
Well, I'm Diana Johnson. I am the educator for labor and delivery and mother baby. And what that means is I actually educate the, the staff and prepare them um, to um, take the best care of our moms and babies while they're here at the hospital. I've worked labor and delivery for uh, 21 years now, and um, I've been the educator for about 10. That's fantastic. And you also have a new grandbaby, don't you? I do. I do. Yeah. So these new babies are, yeah, this sweet little grandbaby just born recently. We just want to congratulate you on that. Well, Diana, we know that you love the moms that we serve, and we're just so glad to have you with us. And we're going to talk about a topic that um, is just out there with all kinds of um, myths surrounding it. And so today we're going to be discussing induction of labor. And there are so many um, stories and all kinds of myths about that. Um, so we're going to let you help us find the truth about it, what it is, and why it's done. So can you tell us what is an induction? So an induction of labor is where we um, we stimulate uterine contractions with medications or other me- methods in an effort to bring on labor and hopefully um, have a vaginal birth. So why... You know, what are the medical reasons that we would do this? We we know that scientific studies teach us that letting labor begin on its own is the preferred way and the safest way for mothers and babies. So why would we intervene? What are medical reasons that we would um, use medication to try and start labor? It is definitely better for labor to start on its own and definitely more successful in, in, that, um, in that way. Um, as far as reasons that we would recommend uh, an induction would be if um, the health of the mother is at risk, um, such as she's having high blood pressures um, that aren't controlled and are resulting in some lab abnormalities, such as protein in her urine or liver um, changes um, that that's when we have to intervene and baby and mama are better if baby is out. Um, other reasons would be if maybe if the baby isn't growing as expected or um, if the baby's um, amniotic fluid is really low. Um, those are, are things that put baby at, in danger. Okay, so what I hear you saying is that Medical reasons include anything that puts the mother or the baby at risk, like a medical condition that's causing risk to the the good development of the baby or to mom's health. Correct. All right. So that clears it up right there. That clears up why um, inductions are done. So can you help us walk through the process of an induction? Tell us what happens. Okay, so um, of course we we want to hold off induction until the very last minute. We want um, that baby to grow as much as possible. Um, both brain and body development is very important. Um, but again, if the medical reason um, is indicating um, early delivery, um, then the OB provider will determine that and have that discussion with the, the mom. Um, 
prior to sending her in. Once he's, uh, he or she has determined that we have a need for induction, whether um, it is due to a medical reason or mom's simply at her due date and we've, you know, labor hasn't got started yet, um, we'll schedule an induction. And typically during that office visit, the provider will check the mom's cervix for dilation and effacement. And this information will, will help mom, uh, will help the provider uh, determine if mom needs to be admitted at night or in the morning. And if her cervix is not favorable, meaning soft or dilated, then she will come in at night to receive a medicine called Cytotec. And Cytotec is a small little tablet that is inserted into the vagina to help soften the cervix, which will allow the cervix to dilate easier. Um, sometimes this is only given once and other times it's given multiple times. Inductions take time. Um, once the cervix is softened or favorable for induction, then we'll get a medicine started called oxytocin, also known as Pitocin. And Pitocin is a synthetic version of a hormone mom's naturally release when laboring. It causes her uterus to contract and over time the cervix to dilate. Okay, let me just back up there a lot of uh, information. So, so what I hear you saying is that if the doctor sees that the cervix isn't showing signs that it's ready yet, then we, we have to use a medication to kind of get that cervix ready, softened yep. up, and that's called Cytotec. And that can take, like, oh, good. how long can that take? It varies. Um, we have had patients that have had one side attack and that cervix softens and they start, they start deliver, they start laboring just with the one side attack. We haven't even, we don't even have to start the pitocin. And then we have patients mm-hmm. that, um, you know, three, two to three days into this induction, we're, we're still, um, working on trying to soften the cervix. It really just depends on the woman and her body and honestly, uh, what, where we are in the gestational um, age, um, the earlier are, the harder it typically is to get the, the cervix to soften. So that's really important and something that a mom could even ask her provider while she's in the office when he does an exam, is my cervix favorable or is my cervix really firm and it's going to take some time to get this cervix ready for an induction? I mean, wouldn't yeah, that be that information would. that probably could be determined in that first initial visit with her doctor? Not the initial visit, but definitely when we're discussing um, reasons for induction, um, they would yeah. definitely do an exam at that point to um, determine where she is. And, um, you know, if she is, if the cervix is soft and she's already dilated, then she, it probably won't take as long. But if it is what we call firm, um, and thick um, and not dilated, then it's probably going to take um, a good bit of time. And I think, um, if I remember correctly, that that evaluation of from the doctor at that visit where we're determining um, whether an induction is the way we want to go is called a bishop score. Is that correct? Yes, ma'am. The bishop score takes into consideration um, the position of the cervix, the length of the cervix, the, the feel of the cervix, 
um, the effacement. It takes into um, account all those different things to give a, a score that, that determines if it's favorable or not. That's super information. And that can really help a mom know whether she wants to, especially let's say she's 40 weeks and the doctor's saying, hey, let's do an induction. And maybe she's thinking, well, should I or shouldn't I? Knowing her bishop score would really make a difference uh, whether she wants to wait a few more days or, you know, if everything else is fine or whether she's ready to embark on an induction. Would you say that that could be a, that could be a really good question to ask? Yes. So, all right, so let's say she's come in, we've used side attack, now the cervix is softened up, and we're ready to bring in the Pitocin. Can you take us from there? So how is Pitocin <laughs> given? How is Pitocin given to a mom? So Pitocin is given through an IV, um, and it is on an infusion pump. It is what we call IV piggybacked. Um, to a, um, a, a regular bag of fluids. Um, and okay. so you'll have two bags of fluids hanging up there. And the Pitocin is um, started, um, of course, it's to, um, to help make those contractions stronger and more frequent or, at least, or get them started if there's none at all already going. We start at a very, very low dose and increase um, ba- every... 30 minutes or so based on um, contraction patterns, the strength of the contractions, and also baby's tolerance for um, the contractions. Um, and we determine that by doing um, electronic monitoring. So we have these little monitors that are on the abdomen that um, pick up baby's heartbeat and also um, measure the contractions. And we, from those, we can determine how frequently mom is contracting, um, and how long those contractions are lasting, and then also how baby is tolerating the contractions. So all that information is very important um, to guide us through her care. Okay, so does that mean that the mom has to stay in the bed now because she's got these monitors on her? No, fortunately, she does not. We have, um, there is a, a, a cord on the monitor, so um, she can, it's very, it, it is limiting, um, and we have a six-foot cord that allows her to sit up um, on the edge of the bed, on a birthing ball, in a chair, maybe even stand up and rock from side to side. Um, I strongly encourage my patients to, to get up and move around as much as possible because that's going to help things progress. Um, we also at Floyd have uh, wireless monitors um, available to our patients, um, and that gives them the ability to move even further around the room um, and maybe even uh, down the hallway in labor and delivery. It's a Bluetooth um, compatibility, and it only picks up so far, but we can we can get some um, movement, um, which helps mom um, for sanity's sake <laughs> and also... Uh, getting baby into that position um, that we need them to be in. Movement is very important. And this really helps in that that early beginning of labor just to be able to move around to work with her contractions while we start Mm -hmm. to get some that cervix to efface and even the beginning of dilation because those contractions are, are real. 
like this, these are real. These are real contractions, and mom yes. needs to be able to work with those. <laughs> Even though we're we're using a medication to create the contractions, these are the real thing, and these are really going to bring about changes in your cervix and, and move things forward. So one of the things, the questions I get is, is a induction painful? And what do you do to deal with that? And so what I hear you saying is one of the first things would be to move, like get up and move, not just staying still the whole time, laying on the Definitely. bed, but to actually change your positions and move. Um, so right. can you speak to that whole question about is it painful and what are some options? So like you said, um, these, this is Pitocin that's causing contractions. These contractions are real um, and sometimes they can be um, pretty intense. Um, we are um, kind of forcing the issue and you're going into the the contractions a little bit faster than you would if you're going into labor naturally. Um, with natural labor, you're, you're going to start off little bit by little bit over the course of a couple days, typically. Um, with Pitocin, we're kind of skipping <laughs> off of that. So things get um, a little bit more intense, a little bit quicker sometimes. Um, everyone's pain tolerance is different, and everyone's response to induction medications is different. And like I said um, earlier and how you reiterated, um, move, move, move as much as you can. Um, get on the birth and ball if possible. Um, I would recommend practicing some breathing techniques um, to help with the discomfort of the contractions. I would be, um, honestly, um, prior to even coming to the hospital, I would practice on a birthing ball, practice those breathing techniques just to get in the routine of it, just so you know what you're, you know, how you're going to handle this. This will not only help with tolerating the contractions, but it'll help with get, getting the baby into position. And those breathing techniques are going to help mom remember to breathe because she's that oxygen source for that baby. So it's very important that she um, keeps breathing. Um, we tend to, when we are in pain, we tend to grit our teeth and hold our breath. And that is not what you want to do when you're in labor. In addition to the moving and breathing, we also have aromatherapies available so that can help ease things up for, for moms. Um, and then when it is time, we have other pain management options available as well. Uh, typically, we uh, include nitrous oxide, IV pain medicines, and also epidural anesthesia. Now, once these are in use, then we, we are limited some um, to getting up and moving around. So we, you want to wait until you're further along, if you can, um, with getting these um, these interventions. Would a mom in, with an induction, if she has the Bluetooth monitor, could she get in the shower? It is possible to get in the shower, but sometimes it doesn't pick up as well in the shower with the, with the Bluetooth monitor. So we would just have to play it by ear in those situations. It's great to know that there are many options for moms to work with these contractions as they begin and they get going and then the nitrous oxide is available and then IV pain meds. And I often tell my moms in childbirth classes that especially if they come in at night and we've got to get this cervix softened first, that sometimes just 
because you're excited and you're nervous about the whole thing, that sometimes their their doctors can recommend something to help them sleep during those that early part and um, just something to sleep that first night while we get things softened up and ready to go so that they're ready the next day for the work of an induction and the work of labor. And we have all those medications available. So the contractions continue to build, and then they go along, and we hopefully just have a normal standard delivery, and the cervix just opens up and the body processes on through. Do they continue to get that medication throughout the entire labor, that Pitocin, does that stay with them the entire labor? Typically, it does continue. However, the closer you get to delivery, sometimes it's not needed as much. Um, The body kind of will take over and um, do its own thing once you get to a certain point. But sometimes it is is helpful to uh, continue with progression. Okay. So, Diana, what happens if that cervix just says no, what is, what do, what do we do? If we can't get that cervix to soften up or it won't start to dilate, what do we do? Well, if the induction does not work and there is truly a medical reason for delivery, um, a cesarean birth is typically the route of delivery. Is there a point where, I mean, is it an option? Like, let's say... You, Mom comes in at night. We've tried the getting the cervix to soften up. It hasn't softened up. And again, she's like, let's say she's 39 weeks. Okay. And then, um, we do another and it still hasn't softened up. Can she stop and give a pause? Where, where's the point where she has to say no going back? She's, she's in all the way on the induction. It varies on a case by case basis, of course. It depends on how sick mom is. Like if, if she truly is sick with blood pressures and we've got, um, you know, we've got issues with um, kidney involvement and, and liver involvement, then we're probably going to keep on pursuing delivery at this point. Now, if it's just because she's at date and um, we're just ready, ready to have a baby, then there is a possibility of, you know, stopping and let's regroup and, you know, try this again later. And um, that has happened before. Typically, once moms are there, though, they're like, they want to push forward. They've already told everybody and they're they're ready to have a baby. And so they, they don't want to back out. Um, and if that's the case, then we'll, we will keep on keeping on if we need to as a group decision, you know, um, informed mm-hmm. decision. And then sometimes baby will give us hints of we're, we need to have a baby another way. But for the most part, majority of the time, if the cervix is favorable, things progress and we have a va- baby vaginally uh, majority of the time. Um, but there are times that it does result in a cesarean birth. Okay. Well, that is so helpful. And your explanation has been so clear and helpful. Are there things that a mom should consider before they decide to have an induction if it is not medically necessary to get the baby out right now, let your body do what it's supposed to do. Um, there are fewer complications for mom and baby when labor starts on its own. Each baby needs different things. And so um, sometimes babies need a little bit more time. And um, 
we need to give them the time that they need and they'll let us know when they're ready to come out, honestly. Um, my, my recommendation to everybody is, unless it's medically necessary um, to get the baby out now, let your body do what it's supposed to do. There is a, a website out there um, by our my nursing professional organization called A1, and it's 40 reasons to go to the, four, the full 40. Um, it, it has some good information on reasons why to stay pregnant unless there's medical reasons to get the baby out. Well, thank you, Diana. You know, that just goes along with scientific evidence. And what I try and say to our moms all the time, you get lots of opinions, but at Floyd, we really want to give you the facts that are based on scientific evidence. And while we appreciate and are grateful for our capacity to offer safe, medically sound inductions when they are medically indicated, we just really encourage moms to recognize that allowing your body to go into labor on its own is the preferred route. It's the safest and scientifically supported route for delivery unless there is a medical indication otherwise. So I appreciate you taking on this very um, important and yet complicated topic for our mothers today. I think that it's so helpful the way that you've explained it and made it simple for us to understand. And we just want you to know how much we appreciate your leadership and all you do to support healthy and positive birth outcomes at Floyd. So, Diana, you're a rock star, and we really appreciate you. Thank you for being with us today. Well, thank you, Jen. It's my pleasure. Thanks, Diana. Thanks, Jen. Uh, Jen, another excellent episode. And I'm just, as always, uh, amazed at the amount of information that we can pack into a, a pretty short amount of time. Right. And, you know, there's so many stories out there about inductions, and this just really clears clears things up, clears the air, and helps moms know how to make a good choice when it comes to an induction. Absolutely. And uh, we uh, we hope that you found the information as valuable as we believe it was. And if you have any questions about this topic or others, be sure to email us at momcircle at floyd.org. And along with that email address, Jen, our Facebook group is another excellent resource. You want to uh, say a little bit about that before we go? Yes, Dan, I always can talk about our Mom Circle at Floyd Facebook group. What a fantastic group of women. Honestly, I have never met women any more um, committed to supporting each other. It's a positive group. And I encourage all moms, get on there. You're going to find people who really care and who will support you. It's a positive group. Um, we don't have any of this drama of people not being kind. We have great moms who just basically want to support other moms and share good information. And so... Take take a look, check us out, Facebook, Mom Circle at Floyd. You will be welcome there. Absolutely. And along with that, be sure to download the My Floyd Baby app. You can find that on the App Store of your choice and also at Floyd.org. You can go to the Family Birth Center information page there at Floyd.org. You can find a link to the app along with great information about everything we can do to help you at Floyd as you prepare for delivery or even after delivery as you uh, walk into being a new mom. Jen, thanks so much again. I look forward to talking to you on our next episode. 
Thanks, Dan. And thanks to all of you for joining us as well. We will talk to you again real soon. Until then, be safe. So long, everybody. Thanks for joining us on the Mom Circle Podcast. Be sure to join our Mom Circle Facebook group for more conversation between Floyd's experts and moms like you. And if you have any questions about today's podcast or would like to suggest a topic for an upcoming episode, email us at momcircle@floyd.org. Also, if you haven't already, be sure to download the My Floyd Baby app for a personalized health news feed for every member of your family. You can find the app at floyd.org baby or in your app store. Thanks for joining us.